Hi, welcome to the Purpose Pod. You want to try again? Is that too much I'm, for you? We're here. No, I was, I was actually, I was going to try to time it and start singing whenever you started, but you went in so fast. Okay. One, two, three, go. <laughs> no, I, I missed the moment. Oh, okay. Hi. Purpose. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Purpose Podcast. Zach was trying to give us the theme song and it wasn't very good. It's really good. <laughs> welcome. We're so grateful that you're here. You're taking time to listen to us. Today, wherever you find podcasts on whatever platform, we encourage you to like, share, comment, because today is going to be amazing. We're subscribe. back again. Oh, Look, su- subscribe. Subscribe. Can't take you anywhere. Click the bell. Whatever it is you do. We're here with our amazing friend again, Toby Slough. We tried to keep it together last time. Yeah. And not get weird. <laughs> Too bad. But it's out now. It's out. Toby, I, we, we I can't. spent so much time. And energy on it now. I just can't do it. It's anymore. out. Yeah, that was, that was all, all the focus. I'm you unmedicated. Had. Okay, so um, we're going to talk today about some incredible things that Toby yes, shared with yes. us. Yes. So again, if you missed the last podcast, Toby's one of our great friends, uh, really a, a, an expert and a, a, just an unbelievable resource for mental wellness uh, and strength and freedom and all the things that come with that, and not just for you but for your family as well. And so last podcast, um, again, after this, go back and check it out. You don't have to have listened to that one. But we talked about the website, Beagobi. Is that right? Get it right? Beagobi.com. Beagobi.com. Now, before we jump into this stuff, I realized last time we said that. And uh, I don't know that people know what a Gobi is. I'm so glad you asked me. Yeah. I get that question a lot. Yeah. What is a goby? Goby yes. is a fish found only in Hawaii. It's not your last name. Like, it is not. Like I said. <laughs> Toby the goby is a children's book, and that's how goby was born. But goby's a fish and found in Hawaii that lives half its life in the salt water. Second half, it swims upstream up to the top of the mountain of the big island and lives in a freshwater pool on the top. And the cool thing is, as he swims up, it gets steeper. And as it gets steeper, his bottom jaw grows out, which gives him more leverage to grab the rocks. Yeah. So it is a picture of, I think, what life is for all of us. The promise of Jesus is he won't waste your hurt, that he'll actually use the things that are hard in your life to shape you into the person that he wants you to become. Yeah, and that was um, the Gobi was actually birthed out of you wrapping up your book for adults. Yes, called Not Yet. Not Yet. Yeah, which is also another amazing book. Uh, if you or somebody in your life, um, or yeah, if you're wrestling with, um, who, who would you say that book is for? That book is for anyone as an adult, and when I say adult, young adult up that battles anxiety, panic, depression, some kind of mental health issue. And it's just the things I've learned over the past 27 years of, of dealing with it. And you don't have to be a Christian. Somebody could use this as an evangelistic tool to get for somebody in their life who may be struggling with this that doesn't know Jesus. Right. We've had people who have bought hundreds, literally, just to pass out to their friends because mm. they see it as a non-threatening way to talk to people about Jesus and how he can meet them at their place of pain. Yeah. And out of that came, because I wrote the last chapter about a goby fish, came a little kid's book called Toby the Goby. Right. Which we love at our house. Yeah, Jail loves that book. We love it too. And that was a book that I wrote to help kids understand they could do hard things because mm-hmm. God is with them, but they have to keep their eyes on the sun and they can help others along the way. Yeah. And so even the stuff that your kids like, there's a reason behind it. You know, when you draw the goby fish, we did that. So we envisioned a mom or a dad and their child sitting down and they're drawing the fish and there's a chance for you to ask your kids questions. You know, yeah. how do you feel like you're a goby? What's hard for you? 
Who can we help along the way? Right. And all that's in that all those resources are in the book to help parents do yes. that, right? Yes. So that's what I love about everything that you do. Um, you, it's simple so that it, it's repeatable, uh, but you're not trying to be what, something that really resonates with us uh, about how you and Micah and, and your whole family does ministry is you don't want anybody to leave thinking that you're really smart or strong or whatever. You want people to leave to be able to be the discipler or, and the equipper of themselves in their homes. And that's the reason you create all these tools at beagobi.com, which we, again, that's, that's, we want to equip Christ followers to win their world. And so I just feel like that's one of the ways that we really uh, align. Because, I, I mean, that's your passion, right, equipping people to do that themselves. Yeah, the big thing is most parents are they're not lazy. They're not uninterested. They just don't know what to do. Right. And so if I can give them, I'm a huge believer. I don't know if I've told you to this. I'm a huge believer that if you do something five minutes a day, five days a week, over time, you will see more progress 100%. than you could imagine. Yeah. Right. It's true in Bible reading. It's true in so many aspects of our lives. And so we design these things to be done five minutes a day. Yeah. Hey, just do this for five minutes a day, five days a week, and watch progress come into your child's life. Game changer. We we love the we love everybody. A lot of believers love the verse Romans twelve two. Don't be conformed to the power of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes. We can't again. There is a uh, something you say. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, that take part in your own healing. Yes. You know, and so like whenever you say things. Like we talked about in the last podcast, the repetitions of the 40 I am's or declarations, you are taking part in your own healing by rewiring those neuropathways. Because yes. we know with neuroscience now, there's neuroplasticity. You're not stuck. You know, God God has too much grace for that. So what the, these tools that we've tried to create, that you guys have created, they're for that. Um, and so we had a super special time with you uh, today with our staff. And there's uh, two sets of three words that you shared with us that I think is going to be mm-hmm. super transformative for uh, the, the people who, that we're talking to, uh, that we're spending time with, because their purpose is to win their world uh, by knowing what is next in their walk with God and who is next in the impact for eternity. And these are going to be massive uh, ways for them to do that. And so the first thing that we talked about were um, the three places where the enemy is trying to attack us, three ways, and you've got three words, three uh, ways that the enemy is trying to attack us, which really resonated with us. But the first one was isolation. How how do you see the enemy attacking uh, believers, but also unbelievers with isolation in this season? You know, it's funny you say that. As you were talking, me knowing you were going to start with that word, I got uh, sent to me, I don't know, it's a month or so ago, the Surgeon General, who is not a believer, is not close to a believer in, in my understanding, he comes out saying that loneliness is the, is the largest threat in America today. Mm. And he said this, he said, loneliness has the same effect on your life as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Mm-hmm. Wow. has the same kind of damage. And so loneliness is not has nothing to do with how many people are around you. Loneliness is all about am I fully known? How many people like fully know me? Because right. here's the thing, Zach, our fear is if we're fully known, we won't be fully loved. Mm. But the problem is the way God designed us, we can't be fully loved until we're fully known. Yeah. Right? And so loneliness 
or isolation, we naturally pull back because we are scared that if we're fully known, we won't be fully loved. Mm. And so what happens when we pull back is that little voice in our ear gets louder and louder and louder. And it's not whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. It's about, well, I'll intentionally build relationships where at least one other person knows everything about me and loves me anyway. Yeah. Right. And, and so isolation gives fuel to that voice that tells you things that aren't true. And the way to break that is to let somebody know how you're feeling so they can help remind you of what is really true. Yeah. So the, so the action step around isolation, you know, we can't be fully loved or fully known. And so, um, would you, would you suggest maybe, you know, grabbing a few things that you've never told anybody and getting those out? You know what I'm saying? Like what would yeah. be, what would be the way, um, here's a simple way for yeah. you to start. Cause you know me simple, right? Totally. Simple way is you make a deal with a friend, a mate, a girlfriend, whatever that, Three times a week, you're going to check on one another, and it's going to be a one to a four. It's just that's all you have to text, one or four. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this with some young pastors right now. Hey, I just want a one or a four on these days of the week. And if they don't, then the group texts like, hey, I hadn't heard today. I'm a a three. What are you? Yeah. One is, hey, man, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Four four is I'm terrible. I need somebody to call me. I'm on the edge. And you can pick anywhere in between there. And if you start, again, man, let's nobody's going to go to somebody and tell their deepest, darkest secret to right. start with. So build it by we're just going to begin to build a relationship with a one-to-four thing. It's really great in a marriage because when, like if, I know Zach, this never happens, but if he came home in a bad mood, I know he would never. It's never happened. Yeah. Never comes home in but a bad mood. But he could walk in the door and, and just say to you, three. Just yeah. walk in and do th- Well, you know, hey, it's been a tough day. I kind of need a moment. That would be so helpful. Right? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Four. 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 I'm <laughs> yeah. And uh, my wife is an extreme introvert. And I, one of the things in our marriage that really helped us get closer was me understanding that when she was in a place where she needed a little space to not pursue her in that moment. Right. Give her some space for a moment. She can be okay. I, and uh, I call it donkey in a hailstorm. Just yeah. kind of hunker down and give her a little space, and then she, as she's ready, she'll come. Well, I kind of adapted that for this thing, how you begin to build relationships. Yeah. And isolation is you have to fight the thing your body wants to do the most. There are times when I'm not in a good spot, and the energy it takes to let somebody else know that I'm struggling, I feel like I do not have. Mm. But if I sit in it myself long enough, Whatever I'm imagining is worst case scenario slowly becomes more of a reality. Yeah. So I have to speak it. Yeah. That's so good. So the first one was isolation. Um, and then that second one that we talked about, a place that the enemy is attacking us, is on input. Right. Input. Now, I didn't know where you were going with this originally. And then when you talked about it, we couldn't be more uh, greater proponents that the enemy is attacking believers, but also keeping um, keeping non-believers away from the gospel via input. So what's that mean that the devil, uh, the enemy is attacking us when it comes to input? Well, I think part of the reason it's been hard for the church is we've looked at it as moral versus immoral mm-hmm. things, right? Preach. Okay, you were, I grew up in a generation where you didn't listen to rock and roll music, right? Yeah. So we don't do that. 
Instead, we listen to Bill Gaither. I mean, I don't know if I'm picking something, but it's like bad, good, yeah. which is the wrong question. The question is, this helps me or this hurts me? Right. This is good for my soul or this sucks my soul dry? Yeah. And now that question, that's, that's wisdom. It's, you know, I think I told your staff today, I, don't, I have an anxiety disorder. I don't watch horror movies. I won't watch cop shows. If it makes you tense, like I can do that for free. I don't need to pay or spend my time. <laughs> I do that for free. Yeah, I, like my heart beats fast for free. Why would I pay twelve bucks to make my heart beat fast? Now I, I can tell you this, just as a friend. Yeah. Whenever you say that movies are costing twelve dollars, you're aging yourself a little bit. I'm talking about going to a matinee. You're aging yourself again going to matinees. Who's going to matinees these days? Old people like me. <laughs> people that are gumming their applesauce and going to bed at 7 o'clock. Do not drag your wife down yeah. to that. Uh, but just to make clear, when, you talk, when you're talking about input, you're talking about the things that we're inputting into our hearts, into our, into our minds. Yes. What, what we're, we're seeing, watching. what we're listening because, to. Yeah. Being inundated with, think about it. I mean, that's... That that's kind of funny, and thank you for laughing. The whole movie thing, but think about you're welcome. Like you have to ask yourself this question: When I get through scrolling through social media, when I get through uh, watching that new show, pick your thing. Mm -hmm. How do I feel? Yeah, I mean, I have watched people who have been guests in my home, watch something and just be mad when it was over. And I'm like, well, why would you watch it then? Right. And I just think, you know, examining ourselves a little bit, stepping back. And I know it's it's been my disorder that's caused me to be that introspective. But I have to go, that's not good for me. Yeah. Uh, it. I know 16-year-old girls that are convinced about uh, false just false things about self-image and it's all come because all they do is scroll through mm -hmm. Instagram. And I would say to you, that's not good for you. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, it, it's not, it's not about, well, what's wrong with that? My question is, is that good for you? Is that building your heart? So I want to be careful in the inputs of my life that I am not inundate. I can, I'm not going to be a monk. I mean, it's not like I, sure. I'm not gonna, but I'm going to make sure that the weight of stuff that's coming into my life. Think about during the pandemic. I had two or three friends talk to me about, and I won't name them, but shows that were popular shows on the streaming services. They said they caught themselves using language they had 100%. never used before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And why is it? It's not they're bad people and they've decided to be cussers. But you're just, it's just, it's just, it's so much coming in. Yeah. yeah. And that's when they went, I'm not going to watch that. And yeah. so, I have to be careful about that. Uh, my wife, who is much holier than I am. 100%. Which, you know, it, there have been times she said, man, I don't think that's good for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have this thing of we can handle it, but I want to be aware of my isolation, and I want to be aware of the inputs that are coming in my life because at the core of it, what it's going to do is it's going to affect my identity, the third eye. Yeah. Right. It, what it's going to do is I'm going to start believing stuff that's not true. Yeah. About we're, myself. We're so curious. We want to know mm -hmm. what everybody else is doing, what everybody else has. And for me, like I'm just, I'm just curious. I just want to know. Right. So Zach is. Zach makes fun of me. No, I don't. I do. <laughs> I'm a nosy Nelly, and I love to know what's going on. So if I hear. 
people talking about something over there, I want to go and fig- I want to know the whole conversation because I don't want to be left out. And if and I I know for me that goes back to a place of where I have felt rejected and left out for mm-hmm. so much of my life, where I will over function in some of those situations, whether it's social media or even a conversation in the kitchen. Oh, I don't want to be left out, so I got to know. And uh, you talked about in the garden. Uh, what led to sin and death was the desire for knowledge yep. and that that desire for knowledge, it hurts us yeah. if if we don't take it before the Lord first. You know, we talk about like go to go and talk to God about people before you go and talk to people. But I, I you do that with everything. Hey, go to God about what you feel like you need to know before you go and seek it out. And it's hard whenever you're a Christian um, and you feel like you've already for lack of a better term, sacrifice so much. So if it, let's just say if you're a Christian and you tithe, so you give 10% mm-hmm. or, or, or more of your income, you go to group, you go to church, you serve, like you do all these things, and then you have this thing over here that you still get to keep, whether it's the Netflix show or Instagram or whatever it might be. Because that, that's for me. Like I had, to, I had to take Instagram off my phone because I, I love a lot of fitness stuff. And, it, and it, Instagram is amoral. Like you said, it's not right. bad. But since I like that fitness stuff, one in every 100 posts whenever I was scrolling would be a, a woman with less clothes on. That's a real struggle for me. I grew up, I was really addicted to pornography. Was, that's an issue for me. Right. And so like I, and, and I, I think about this, this is a silly way, because that's, that's like really serious. But something, dad used a certain illustration. It's been maybe 10 years ago, and it's still, it makes me laugh. But dad asked, because he was talking about that, like, how, like what's your willing to, uh, like, how much you want to let in. And so he asked what percentage of like if the ingre- if there was an ingredient in brownies that was poop, what percentage I can hear him saying Yeah, this. what percentage of the ingredients being poop would you still eat? So how much of your brownie could be doo-doo and you would still and so, eat it? And everybody's like, No, no poop. <laughs> no doo doo in my brownies, for please. Years and years, one out of every hundred posts being a a a a, a, a girl um, that led that would often lead me down a bad path was okay because it's just such a small percentage. Right. Um, they, but you make it, which honestly, uh, <laughs> this this is going to be clipped and used against me. But it would be much better for me if I ate a brownie that had one one hundredth of a poop in it than seeing that girl. You know, however however often that would come up. So I had to get I had to get rid of that. Uh, but for you're welcome for that clip. Um, but I, I would just, I think it's a, it's a big, the input is massive for me. Right. Like you think about uh, just the, and, and for, we are, since our flesh is so desperate to, to get out and our flesh is so desperate to pull us away and we live in an evil eon um, in this world, you know, in our battles against principalities of darkness who are pulling us away from winning our world. It can be one in every 10 that, is attacking us from a gossip perspective or a lust perspective or a greed perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and, I'm, and so I, I'm just, I couldn't agree more. We couldn't agree more with the input part from social media to what you, to whatever media to relationships, you know, and, and it's just a hard balance. So but I think it's a great thing to, to process. And I, I think we have to just ask the right questions. Like I'm convinced it's your podcast, but I, you gave me a mic. I'm convinced that, like the conspiracy theory, everybody's out to get us. There's always another story. That's not good for our my heart. Yeah. 
Right. And so I get accused a lot of times of being naive or mm-hmm. I put my and I'm like, OK. Yeah. But if I get in that cycle, I'm going to have to know and I need to know. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I believe all the that's people. not healthy for me. Right. <laughs> no. It's yeah. just it's just not healthy for me to to give in to what the media is playing on, which is, hey, here's the real story. They're telling you this, but really, here's, here's what's yeah. really happening. Mm-hmm. Flip, flip you through a little TikTok one day, and it's all, well, here's the real. 100%. Here's what's real. And that's what happens in the garden. Yeah. Why in the world would they eat that fruit? Well, he said we couldn't have it because we'd be like God. We'd be superior because we would know something nobody else knew. Right. If there was anyone else around. That's what they were thinking. Yeah. That's what's happening today. And so what happens is that's where division started happening in the church when it came to uh, politics, issues of the right. day, whatever. It became, yeah, you know, who knew the most. Yeah. And I don't think anybody would agree that we got in a better spot as a capital C church right. in that sure. season. I love what Chris Hodges says, um, you need to pick— proactively what you're going to be uh, um, like, I think it's willfully ignorant. So what will you be willfully ignorant about? So I am willfully ignorant about music, mostly because mm-hmm. it's not a passion for me, but yeah. you know, so what is it like, what is it that you need to be willfully ignorant right. of? And then you referenced the last one. But, but hang on, sh- before you say yeah. this, let me say this. Don't put yours on somebody else. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. the problem. The problem is. Don't like, touch me. Like you have to decide for you what's best for you, and you can be very clear in in explaining if someone knows you don't know that song or yeah. you've never seen that. Or my wife asked me the other day, "Hey, what does?" I'm not even going to tell you what the word was, but it's just a common cultural term. Not, it wasn't dirty or anything, but it was like, "Oh, I'll tell you." She didn't understand what woke was. Uh-huh. She said, "What does it mean to be woke?" And right. I thought, God bless her heart. Yeah, she's not looking at enough current culture things. You know, that's why she's, she's so looking holy. At, yes, why she's so holy. She's looking at puppies or whatever. And I love it. So, you know, and I, I gave her a little bit of a hard time. You don't know what that means. Yeah. But it was like, that's just, like, that's where she is. Yeah. And I, I just don't want to put other people, there are things that aren't good for me. A horror movie that mm-hmm. costs twenty two fifty or whatever it is, yeah. isn't good for me. But I, if, if that works for you and you'd like to have the adrenaline rush of it, go yeah. for it. I, we do not like horror movies. We watched one 13 years ago. We haven't watched one since. Last night I was up and I thought somebody was, this is not important, but just but we're scared. I did have an adrenaline rush. I was up. I had woken up with River and I was laying back down. And I just kept hearing noises and I just knew someone was in the garage stealing the lights. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have some our, lights Our in my lights garage. for our new house are in there. So, I just so we have stealing our lights. Isolation. We have input. And the last one, the place the enemy is trying to attack us is not trying. A hundred percent is is identity. Yeah. Yes. Especially with where where the Lord has you being a champion for the kingdom in mental wellness. Identity, man. Oh my gosh. So how is and I, we talk about this for years, but what are some of the major ways you're seeing the enemy attack the identity of, belie- of just people? Well, one way is there's a common belief among believers, church people, that they shouldn't struggle. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, who told you that? <laughs> right? Like, they, right. they apologize to me for struggling. And I'm like, well, if you're an overcomer, 
you have to have something to overcome. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so it the the like your identity is a conqueror. To be a conqueror, you have to have something to conquer. Right. That's and, so good. And so that's how you answer that question. I can give you 30 of those, but whether it's a middle school kid who says to me, I love middle and high school kids. Yeah. They love to talk about mental health. They they're like, oh, finally, an old guy who'll talk about it. Yeah. And they come grab afterwards, you know, it's like they're all up in, in my business. And this girl is saying, because they're just brutally honest. I don't yeah, care. Totally. And she's saying, you know, man, I get home and I'm so tired after school and all this stuff I'm doing. I know I should go to dance class or I ought to do this, but I'm just tired. So I just lay down and start scrolling through social media. Mm-hmm. And I said, how does that make you feel? She goes, it makes me feel worse. Yeah, totally. And I said, so what could we do differently? And she goes, well, I'm too tired to go to dance class. I go, could you walk in your backyard and take five minutes and do a couple of the moves that you do in dance class? Well, yeah. I said, well, that would be a step, see? Mm-hmm. But to have conversations with kids who are saying, I know this is bad for me, but we're not giving them alternatives. Yeah. Right? So I want to give kids simple, practical ways that they can begin to replace some of the lies they're believing about themselves with the truth of who God says they are. Yeah. Well, we have to. One of the things I notice is truth is we've exchanged the word perspective for truth. Yes. And so it's really, it can be difficult to discern, well, what is truth, which is unchanging. Um, but now everyone says they have their own truth, which this, is really. This is my own, truth, is one of my favorites. Uh-huh. Right, which is really, hey, this is my perspective. This is my opinion. This is my experience. And what we've done is we've shifted language. So now that word. It doesn't mean what it used to mean, and it can be confusing. So how do you find, hey, how do I exchange with some of the things I believe about myself for truth? Where do I find truth? You see, you have to find truth in something that never changes. Mm-hmm. Like, it can't be, well, this was true now, but it's not true anymore. If it's always, if it was true in the past, then it's true today. Right. So I think that's why I believe the Bible is the only place you can find unchanging truth mm-hmm. nobody's rewritten the bible you know and said hey we were wrong hey you know i'm john i came back i was wrong about that you know it it's something that has never changed and the reason i believe in the 40 i am's and these exercises to help you with your identity is because the only person who has the right to define you is the one that created you so good and since he wrote the bible he gets to pick who mm-hmm. I am, not how I feel in the moment. That's right. See, that's the thing. The thing is about feelings. When you say perspective, it's like, well, that doesn't feel like it's true. Right. Well, okay, but because it doesn't feel true doesn't mean it is true. Right. And so I want to replace, I want to let what I know control what I feel, not what I feel control what I know. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And, and just a side note before we transition to these next three, uh, you know, one of the things we're building here, Toby, which is, it's hard uh, because the enemy doesn't want it to happen. Is a culture of evangelism, mm-hmm. not where they come, like they bring in friends just to church, but they're going and telling, like the Great Commission. Uh, but this has been one of my favorite evangelism tools, just in conversations, not arguments, but in conversation around truth. You know, so I was on a, a plane ride with a guy, and he was a teacher, and so it was an easy kind of segue. I was like, hey, because he, t- he taught for 30 years. Right. So I was like, have you noticed like parents and stuff getting more crazy? Um, he's like, oh, yeah. And I could tell by a couple things he said, 
he was in a same-sex relationship and had a had an atheistic point of view, like just in his worldview from yeah. some things. And so I was like, well, man, you know, why do you think, you know, and and he didn't he couldn't put words to it, like why families had gotten so much crazier. But I was like, I wonder if it's because everybody kind of gets to pick their values. And he's like, yeah, you know, you know, because it used to be where parents would take the teacher side, now take the kid's side, and and I asked the question, hey, where are you getting truth from? You know, because there's some things right now, like I mean, this would be intense, but like like rape and murder and stuff like that, where it's like, oh no, those are wrong. Those have always been wrong. But if you go back to, and again, I know this is intense, if you go back to like Hitler and the Nazi regime, like democratically they voted that genocide was fine. Right. So like uh, truth is not democratized, even though we, we put a high value on democracy, right? But truth is not democratized. Where's a place that we can say we have truth that came from a higher power than somebody's opinion, and that's the Bible. And so just got to think, a lot of a lot of us, because we're not as maybe as confrontational as we should be around it, we'll just let people push the Bible around like it's just a a fairy tale that we put too much stock into. That's just not true. So it it is it is a truth that we can build a lot build life on. It's actually a truth that everything good is built on at some level. But that's just a evangelist thing that we're hundred percent. Yeah, but that's the, what you're saying is that's the crux of the issue, and it comes back to identity. Mm-hmm. Who gets to decide what's That's true? Right. Yeah, the one who created it all gets to decide what's true. Right, mm. and and again, like I think whenever one of the big things, and we did a, we did a, a podcast around Pride Month, you know, and it, it made all kinds of people upset with us, but which is fine. But the uh, we don't want to make people upset, but it happens sometimes. But so a lot of the questions people are asking around, like, hey, I, I don't, I feel like I'm in the wrong body, or I feel like there was a mistake made. And when you look at the two paths you can take down of I'm going to follow these feelings as truth, which is going to lead to so much mm-hmm. confusion and guessing and making yourself God, or even though it doesn't feel good to say, I'm not a mistake, like I was made on purpose, and there's a truth that is beyond my feelings to say that, you know, is I, I just think it's massive, even though it's not politically correct, and we, we need to have some, we need to have you know, mentally and emotionally strong believers who will say that in love and live that out. But um, something that you said, just as we segue into these these other three, because we had the first three of ways the enemy's attacking us in isolation, input, and identity. But then we're going to go into these three aspects of healing, uh, these three words you use around healing. But something I think is so great, I love the statement, and I think we all need to just write it down or receive it, is sometimes you have to play hurt, sometimes you have to play scared. And so, like, these aspects of healing— um, uh, I think a lot of us will think, well, I, I'll receive that. I'll walk in that when my circumstances aren't this way, right. whenever I don't feel this way. But I just remember like playing sports or, or like even, you know, cliff jumping with my brother, like these things that, they're, that are just, I, I, or Mary and Rachel, these things that are just. I, the, can we stop? He just equated cliff jumping with marriage. He I did, just want to point that he out. He didn't let me finish. Off, these off things the that are amazing, but they were terrifying. Yes, being married at twenty-two is terrifying. Uh, ju- but but oh, it's not terrifying. You get oh, me neither. So, uh, <laughs> but playing it. playing scared or playing hurt. Uh, first of all, if you if you're not willing to, you'll you'll really never play. Right. Uh, but then second, you'll miss out 
on these things that you're meant for. And so just as, as we go into these, and Rach, I'd love for you to ask around that first one, but uh, man, I just think that there's that there's not a, a time where these become true. These are true. There's a time where you decide that they're true. Like You decide you're going to live like they're true. Yeah, think about this. Let me before we go into these say that think about it because people resonate when you talk about parenting, especially like your generation. So I grew up in the "Don't be a baby" generation. Mm-hmm. Dad rubbed some dirt on it. I know your dad's same way. And you go, well, that's damaging. You know, like I broke my leg, Dad. I can't rub dirt on it. But we have overreacted to now. It's not "Don't be a baby." It's "Oh, you poor baby." Right. And and it's "Oh, you poor baby." Uh, you don't feel good, so you don't need to go to school. Oh, you had a tough night, so you don't need to do this. And and identity answers that question, too, because the truth of your identity determines your actions, not how you feel in the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want I don't want you to raise three little victims right. who are victims of their circumstances. I don't want your kids, I don't want my grandkids to spend all their time talking talking about how the world's going to hell and we just gotta hang on till we go to heaven. Yeah. I want them to go, you know what? God placed me here in this moment in time. I'm a child of the king. I have a purpose on this planet. And it may not work out the way I want it to, and it may be scary, but I can do hard things because God is with me. Right. So that's good. what I want from our kids. So good. Well, you talked about a principle that really changed your life, mm-hmm. and that was the manna principle. Um, so can you tell us what is the manna principle? The manna principle is a mindset shift that that comes, and I don't think you ever can. I think we talk ourselves out of this mindset shift most of the time. Uh, it's one of the uh, blessings that's come out of my challenge with anxiety and uh, panic attacks. But it comes out of what you guys talked about a few weeks ago. You talked about the Lord's Prayer. We all know it. Give us today our daily bread, which comes out of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Mm -hmm. But if you go back to daily bread, bread of life, any Jewish listener thought manna. Mm -hmm. Manna was was the pinnacle of an entire church and nation's history of bread being interwoven. This is pre-keto. Yeah. You know, right? Totally, totally. This is, I mean, it's bread, show bread. I mean, every, there are so many significant moments of bread. Yeah. All pale in comparison to manna as God is taking his people from captivity to the promised land, prophetically foreshadowing what Jesus is going to do for us. Yeah. And he said, how I'm going to get you there is I'm going to teach you the principle of manna. I'm going to put seed on the ground, like a coriander seed is literally what it looked like. You grind it up, make wheat, but you only get enough for today. And if you don't, if you try to store some up for tomorrow, I'm gonna, it's gonna rot. It's not gonna be I good. Have maggots to you. in it. Yeah, and I just rot. I mean, awesome. nasty. Yeah, yeah. I love that when I was a kid, the <laughs> picture of maggots in the wheat. But so Jesus comes and says, "Here's my promise: abundant life." And here's what abundant life is: I'm gonna be enough for today. Will that be enough for you? Yeah, babe. When's the time that um, you were you were you were you were either looking forward? to something that we didn't get yet, or you're looking past on something that was old, and it was trying to sustain you, but there was maggots in the manna. Like, it just, it just, it just wasn't, wasn't enough. I would say after our, um, our second miscarriage, and we had been trying and trying, and um, I still wasn't pregnant, and I remember being in the car, and God told me, like I, many years before, that I would have children in my home, 
And so I just told him I was driving from, if you live in East Tennessee, you would know I'm driving from Oak Ridge to Knoxville and I'm driving past and I'm on this uh, like little highway. And I just told the Lord, I said, hey, if I never have any more biological children, that's just going to be okay. Because I had been so anxious and wrestled so much and been so broken. And so, and it wasn't that I didn't still long for children or for the children that weren't with me anymore. Um, And God didn't take the longing away. But the desire to have control over the future and how it was going to happen, I relented. And um, for me, that that led into a season of of life. And we eventually did. We had River, mm-hmm. but um, in the mo- in that season, there was so much. I was so angry and and confused that the good God who loved me and who I knew had designed me to mother that he wouldn't give me, why, why would he allow for my babies to die? You know? And so I think when, for me, that was, I mean, I waited for Zach and I, I knew no maggots in this manna, no maggots in that manna, but there, Mm. there were maggots in the, in some of the lonely Friday nights where (laughs) I was frustrated and angry and, and alone. And I wanted what God had promised me later today but I, I had to wait. And so the, in those seasons where of the waiting, and this is where I think, you know, you talked about like you, I, you learn about who God is in the waiting. Yes. You know, when you're waiting, you're not yet. Like you experience facets of God that you don't get to experience any other time. Right. Unless, you're, unless you are desperate for him. That's right. And in those waiting moments, I learned God is a comforter. I learned God is the ever-present help. I learned God is peace. I learned God as a nurturer. I learned God as someone who saw me, you know, just like it said in Genesis where Hagar names God, like this is the God who sees me. And I'm alone out in the middle of the, and people have told me how unwanted I am and how unlovable I am and how nothing will work out. And I just had to, for that day, just ask God to give me. And you talked about how God would give you manna for like an hour. You know, like Mm -hmm. I just need this hour. And God was just faithful. And I just over and over, we were talking, having a conversation yesterday morning, maybe it was, maybe it was Monday morning. And the Lord just told me, like, I just felt so strong in my spirit. Like, we are not afraid to wait on the Lord. We are not afraid to wait on the Lord. In that moment, it wasn't a we, it was you, but you're there now, aren't you? I borrowed your faith. I'm trying to get there. Uh, You said, and then we'll we'll move on to season, but you said something you, how you described it. You said, Jesus is manna. So Jesus is that bread. And the, the belief is that a belief that God is enough for me today, and, or that God is has enough for me today, and that's enough for me. Right. So the belief that God has enough for me today, and that's enough for me. I don't need more. He won't give me less. You know. And so again, we can talk about that a long time. But I think there's a, there's two more areas of of healing. One of them is seasons. You mm-hmm. talk about. And so how is a better understanding of seasons, how would that bring healing and peace to our life? Yeah, if manna brings healing because you understand the abundant life is the promise of today and you learn how that's enough for you, then you don't wonder how I'm going to get through. Well, I don't know how I can get through this. Yeah. Well, you can get through it today, and yeah. that's going to be enough. Mm. Okay, so seasons is about understanding that God creates seasons for our benefit. Yeah. And that every season prepares us for another season, mm-hmm. which what it does is we can have joy in letting go of a really good season 
believing that the God who brought blessing in that season is going to bring blessing in the next season. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, I mean, I know parents who are scared to death. They have eight-year-old kids, and they're like, I'm just scared to death when my kid goes to high school. Well, your kid's not in high school yet. Right. They're in elementary school. Yeah. That's the season. Be the So invest these things into your child in this season that will prepare them and you for the next season. Yeah. Right? And so every season has a purpose and a preparation. And most of us, our mental wellness is affected because we're either pining for a season that's mm. already over. That's right. Or uh, we are we can't find happiness in this season. We're waiting for the next season. Yeah. And think about how many people that you know that have said, Rachel, well, as soon as I get kids. Oh, yeah. As soon as I get these kids <laughs> out of my house. Yeah. As soon as this happens, as soon as, and we play as soon as. In, oh, and we're guilty of that. Sure. Yeah. You are, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, me just, let me just say, like, understanding that, that God is in whatever season you're in doesn't mean it's not hard, doesn't mean uh, that you're not going to be challenged. But, man, I'm going to trust God in this season that he's going to teach me something, shape something in me, that in the next season that I move to, uh, it's going to be even deeper and richer. It's yeah. how I was able to step out of my role as a lead pastor of a church I founded. Yeah, it was painful, man. I grieved it, cried, but God had been. I know He's told me that my season was up. Right, and so I believe because I had seen Him be faithful in so many seasons that mm -hmm. were painful, that the next season would be better. Yeah, and out of that, Gobi was born. We had no idea when we made that decision that that's what in this season. I can honestly say is the most fulfilling season of my life. I had a prophetic word spoken over me at the end of our meeting today that over the next five years, God would triple what he did in the last 15. Yeah. And I believe it to be true. Yeah, but yeah. if but if I asked you five years ago, no way. You know, hey, will you have more impact later? You may have you may have in faith said that, but you wouldn't have believed it. But no. Since you let go, look. But there was no space. I love, and this was big for us, and I actually had a couple of staff members come up to me after the message today and said, hey, I really think that was a word for you when you said um, each season is a preparation for the next one. That's right. You know, and so I, I forget who it was, which I'm glad because it'd be inappropriate to say their name, but I, I, you'll tell me after because it's going to bother me. But there was a friend of ours who couldn't have kids, and then they had a, have a kid, um, and I heard her tell Rachel, I thought I'd be a better mom. I thought I would be more patient. I thought I would be this, um, and then, but in retro, for some reason, keep it coming to my heart. And I'm like, man, I, you know, th this is this is preparation. You know, not not just for whenever that kid's in, like you said, elementary school, middle school, high school, and an adult. But th there's just it's a pre it's preparation. This season of transition has been really hard. Yeah, it's never been super hard to honor my mom and dad. They're so they're so godly and they love me so much. They're so generous. Uh, but in this season. Of of step Rachel and I stepping to lead in faith promise. There's some hard parts, um, but it, it it doesn't make it like not easy. It doesn't make it not hard at all, but it does make it easier knowing, hey, like this season is a preparation for all of us, you know, for what God does have next. And so I, I love that. And there's one other one I, I want to make sure we hit because it is it's really powerful. Um, and my my laptop went to sleep, but um, it what you said that. Um, soul, uh, soul care is self-care, and self-care 
is not selfish. Correct. So, but you define soul care like self care. Soul care is something you have a specific way you defined that. How yeah. do you define? Yeah, it? Let, let's talk about that because I I don't think that I don't I think that people may be caring for maybe their body mm-hmm. or maybe some relationships, but the foundation that holds all that together is their soul. Well, what does like well what is self that is everybody has a different definition of what that is. Right. So why Usually don't we? Usually, an excuse to play golf or to go get a mani pedi. That's usually how we do self care. Mm. Feel like you got both of us right there. Oh, right. Wow. You know, earlier you Not called me. a Traeger an easy bake oven for men. Oh, I'm getting to that again. Oh, you oh s- I love it. But the uh, thing here's the thing. Self-care, oh, we're out of time. Self care. <laughs> self care. In and of itself, just I want to feel better. I want. Uh, okay, that's fine. But but like if you have, I had a when I figured out I wanted a counselor, was a guy came to me and said, "Hey man, my wife she doesn't get it." And I go, "What?" He goes. Golf's been my biggest thing in my whole life. We have three kids now at home, and she gets mad every time on Saturday I want to go play golf. What do you think? I said, what I think is you need to put your clubs in the garage, you idiot. It's the one day you're home all week Cover your and be with your kids because a season is going to come where Testify. you're going to be able to play golf, right? Right. Uh, and so self-care can be selfish unless the point of it is it's going to touch my soul. That, that's the point I'm making. And the reason I say it the way I say it is because when I say soul care, people think, well, I need pray, read my Bible, spiritual disciplines. Right. Well, spiritual disciplines, I'm assuming as staff members of churches, we understand the necessity of practicing prayer, meditation, fasting, Bible study, all of those things. I think we miss out that God wired everybody differently and that there are some things that speak to your soul, that fill your soul, that that draw you nearer to God that aren't under spiritual disciplines. Yeah. And I don't think you should be, feel guilty for doing those things. What's, what's that for you? What, what is, what is uh, something that's not a spiritual discipline, which we know you do, mm-hmm. but it, it is soul care, and then how is it that? For me, it is cooking large pieces of meat for an extended period of time on a way too big cooker, a smoker. Yeah. Uh, smoking meat, that's for me. So that's how it. does that impact your so so but but connect it for people so that they don't feel selfish. Right. Right. So how does how is that not just cooking? How is that not just a hobby? How is it soul care? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for me what it does is it's because I'm I'm really smoking meat. I'm not I don't have an easy bake oven for men like mm-hmm, you that mm-hmm. you plug in and yeah. it's like a video game on your phone. Yeah. I literally go out there and I have to take big Mainly pieces of wood, and I have to build a small fire that builds a bigger fire, and there's an art to building that fire. It takes a long time to get it to a temperature and built in a way that it will stay at that temperature over an extended period of time. So you can't microwave that process. I'm type A. Let's get from A to B as quickly as we can. Let's get on to the next thing. It slows my spirit. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the fire only gets to a certain place with the right amount of... Yeah. Right? There's got to be the breath, the wind, yeah. the ruach. Yeah. And so all of that imagery for me, and it slows down my spirit, and then you have to, you know, you're turning the meat, you're basting it, you're checking it, that entire experience, what it does, and I don't do it with anyone else 95% of the time. Yeah. And I'm sitting there by the fire. I do it at a time in Texas when it's not hotter outside than the fire. And it's just me and God, and we're doing this. Yeah. Most of the time, I don't even want to eat it. I mean, when you smell it for 15 hours, you're kind of, you know, you want to eat it. Yeah. Uh, so we share. I've never had that. Yeah. 
but share yeah. with a lot of friends, a lot of people. But for me, I practice that because that's how I connect with God. My son, he runs. That sounds terrible. And there's, yeah, to me, yeah, I feel Jesus when I stop running. Nobody's chasing him? Yeah, no, nobody's chasing him. Sorry. But he loves it. He went this morning. He went for a run this morning. Uh, and I know for him, that's not just a physical activity. It For him, it's in that his little introverted body and the way God wired him, and there's a rhythm that comes. So I'm just saying, find yours. It, it bothers me that once I teach this principle, people say, well, I don't have anything. Right. Well, then go find you something that connects your spirit to God when you do it. Yeah, that's so good. Well, mm-hmm. hey, we're our time. I want to encourage you guys, check out... Uh, I, I'm be a Gobi. Be a Gobi. Be a Gobi. Be a Gobi. You are a Gobi, but it's I am a Gobi. Uh, but yeah, so check that out. Those resources are amazing for you, for your family, for your kids. Uh, and we are super grateful uh, for your time. Uh, I'd encourage you to follow uh, Toby um, on, on all platforms. He's all over the place. Uh, but I mean, he and I... Last year, we were at a, a pastor's deal doing content, and then he and I walked down to the lake, and I'm holding the phone for him while he's shooting content. Um, so we're out you know, doing something else, yep. but we're, he's thinking about how he can be there for you. So I just, I just mm-hmm. think it's a great thing. You talk about your input. No, don't just you know, cut out the bad ones, but put in some good ones. Right. Um, and so Toby, one of those, but just want to remind you, the place the enemy's attacking you, isolation, input, identity, and then some aspects of healing the mana principle, understanding seasons, and then soul care. And gosh, all of these things have such a massive impact on your purpose, and your purpose is to win the world. And we just don't know how long we have to do that. And so the enemy's going to try to distract you, pull you down, uh, have you live what I consider below your supernatural means as a son or a daughter of the Most High. And so I pray that these conversations have lifted you to that point um, and given you uh, an equipping for yourself and for the people you love. But we love you. Um, Live out your purpose to win the world this week, and we'll see you next week.